Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Childhood model. I didn't think it needed to be said. It's self-evident, but... uh... In case you were wondering, in Hudson uh, is the Little Tykes headquarters, hence the uh, childhood model. I was in daycare there. My parents dropped me off when I was three. My mom worked for IBM, and my dad, I think at that point, worked for a company called Crystal Lloyd. And uh, they dropped me off there at daycare. About three months in, they talked to my parents and said, uh, company policy has changed. We're no longer running a daycare. Uh, It's only for employees' kids. And my mom said, boy, you know, he really likes it here. And she goes, well, we're actually talking to you because we'd like Ryan to be the employee. So they made me a childhood model. So I I was paying my own way from early on, okay? So there's no freeloading here. So I I don't remember the exact title of the talk, but it was something like, number one need of the church, number one need of the world. And so what I want to just kind of get out of the way is, Uh, My answer is going to be Jesus, okay? If you didn't know that by the Roman collar around my neck, uh, that's more about you than me, but it is going to be Jesus, but not maybe what you normally think of, all right? So I want to begin by just asking you a question. What do you love? Like, what's something you really enjoy that when you're doing it, you come fully alive, like using other people's boats, things like this, all right? Like, when you're doing this activity or when you're around these people, you're just fully alive. Maybe for you, it's uh, out with friends. Uh, We've got some schools here. Maybe it's out with your friends, and you're like, this is the best. I don't want this night to end. And you start getting angry at your parents on a Friday night because of curfew, things like that. But it's like, inside, it's because you're having such a good time. Or maybe it was an amazing vacation that you remember. And on that last day, you're like, I'm really sad. I love this vacation. Or maybe it's just the simple thing like, for you, cup of coffee in the morning is like a sacred time. You're like, I love this time. No one's up yet. No one's talking to me. No one needs anything. Warmth, coffee, everything's going to be fine. What do you love? Pope Benedict wrote in Space Salvi of now Happy Memorial. uh, Pope Benedict wrote uh, that there's certain times in life where we end up saying, this is life. Meaning we're experiencing something, we go, this is living. This is what it means to be alive. And he continues to write a lot after that moment. But what's interesting is this Bavarian Pope, probably in his early 80s or late 70s when he wrote this, right, from Rome in the Vatican, gets it. He gets that you and I love things. And certain things make us come alive. And they matter a lot. So just hold that. We're going to come back to that in a second. Just want to start there. I want to introduce you to a gentleman, he's not here, he's dead, but I want to talk about a gentleman um, named Monsignor Lorenzo Albacete. He died in 2014, and he died as the chaplain to a church movement called Communion and Liberation out of New York City. But before that, he was a professor at a seminary, he was a professor in D.C. as well as New York, and he was really good friends with Pope St. John Paul II and a theological advisor to him and Pope Benedict. No slouch, okay? In addition to this, before he was a priest, he was a physicist. So he was a scientist. He was from Puerto Rico and maybe one of the funniest men God ever made. He was wildly overweight, 
a chain smoker, and he said Monty Python had the best commentary out of scripture he'd ever read. Right? This guy was a disheveled mess and totally free. Right? To tell a little story to kind of capture his personality, John Paul II said, I'm going to invite you and another priest to come and advise me on this theological question. I said, okay, so there's the busy Pope, Pope John Paul II, sitting in a room with this other priest who's in a cassock. His hair is perfectly gelled, leather briefcase, nice leather dossier opened up. Everything's typed perfect. Cufflinks, that priest is ready to go. And they're waiting on Lorenzo. He gets in there late, all right? Sits down, right? They notice his shirt's all covered in white stuff, his hair's disheveled, and he has no notes, no briefcase, nothing, not even a sport coat on. Just a mess, right? And this other priest begins by saying, Holy Father, to be with the successor of the apostles, St. Peter himself, I didn't sleep. I woke up this morning barely like with no sleep, and I just couldn't wait for this moment. Thank you for the privilege of serving the church. And he goes over his perfectly thought out syllogisms on his theological points, crafted very well. And Pope John Paul II, who was friends with Monsignor Lorenzo Albacete, said, Lorenzo, he goes, Holy Father, I slept great. <laughs> he goes, what you see on me is a bunch of powdered sugar. I was late because I had a little donut at a cafe outside the Vatican, and I was hurrying in, and I thought, you know, there might be clothes by the time we're done with this meeting. He's like, so I went back and got another one. He goes, and while I was in there, I thought I'd write my ideas down, and he pulled out of his pocket a napkin where he had scribbled down a few ideas to give to the Pope. The Pope went with his ideas because they were brilliant, all right, and they continued their friendship from there. So this Monsignor Albacete, I never got to meet him personally, and it's a long story, but I don't know what this comment will sound like to you, but all I know is it was real for me is he's really become my mentor after he died. I found out he died at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday, I believe it was, and I didn't go to bed that whole night. I stayed up. I found, didn't know who he was. I read one blog by him. Then I was watching YouTube video after YouTube video. I ordered the book. The next day, I read his book, the only book he ever wrote, and it just, this guy was, for me, the light. I could see and make sense of Christianity because of him. So he was with a famous cardinal in New York City, and they're driving together. And they get behind a car at a red light, and the car in front of them has a bumper sticker, and it says, Jesus is the answer. And the cardinal says, isn't that really nice? Like, gosh, this guy boldly proclaiming Jesus to the world. He's the answer. This is really good. And Pope, uh, Monsignor uh, Lorenzo Abbasetti says to him, he goes, are you nuts? He goes, who cares? What the hell's the question? <laughs> he goes, without the question, who cares about the answer? That was his whole point. And that's really, in essence, my point today. Is that without understanding the desires of the human heart that Jesus came to fulfill, Jesus lands in a category of what I will call broccoli. We treat him like broccoli. He's the right thing to do. Your parents wanted you to do it. You keep doing it because everyone tells you it's the right choice. No one gets excited about broccoli. And then we talk to our friends and family members and we say, don't you want broccoli? Do you want to wake up early on a Sunday and get in fights while you're trying to dress night on your way to church so that you get a broccoli? And then when you, you do something wrong, you're like, well, it's because you should have ate more broccoli. And as I've shared this before, please don't come up to me and be like, well, I like broccoli. You're missing it, okay? <laughs> if Jesus is a right answer, you can keep him. 
Because there's so many things in my heart and in the human heart that need to be seen, known, and loved in order to become fully human. And you know what's funny? is This isn't just Monsignor Abelsede or some weird Father Ryan talking. Jesus himself, the very first question he asks to humanity in the Gospel of John, very first question, very first thing on his lips is a question, and he says, what are you looking for? I'll translate another way. What are you desiring? What are you seeking? What do you really want? Monsignor Albacete commenting on that says this, this seems to be an important question because the rest of the gospel is going to be an interplay between the answer that you give and Jesus. Jesus identifying himself as that which fulfills those desires. But if we're not familiar with those desires or haven't really thought through them, how can we recognize that Jesus is of any value to us? Like if you don't even know what your heart really wants, if you're not even familiar with your own desires and needs and hopes and dreams and pain and fear, if that's just kind of like, eh, whatever, Jesus is broccoli to you. And martyrs don't die for broccoli. Mother Teresa didn't inspire people because he was simply the right answer. And I'd say that this is the number one need of the church. So which desires am I talking about? Because we have a lot. Right? Like I desired to go to the bathroom before I began this talk and I didn't. And I regret that. <laughs> we have all sorts of desires that spring on our consciousness at different times. All right? You may have a desire for, uh, I wish there was steak on that salad because tomorrow's Friday during Lent and that would have been a nice thing to have a little steak. Patrick. <laughs> so which desires are we talking about? Well, let me say this. Precisely the ones that came alive when I asked you at the beginning, what do you love? See, a good night out with your friends that you don't want to ever end because it's amazing, people usually handle it in one of two ways. They're like, hey, let's go get one more round. It's on me. I'll get one more round for everyone. Come on. So just because just, you don't want the night to end. One more drink. Or you get rigidly like uh, responsible. No, I got to wake up in the morning, early thing at work. Let's just end this. Good to see you. But both are the same. It's like, I don't want to deal with the fact, I don't want this to end. Or how about when you're coming back from a vacation? It's an amazing vacation and you're sad all of a sudden. Do you ever realize how dumb that is? Everything ends. Every vacation ends. And all of a sudden you're sad? It's like, well, yeah, that's what happens. There's a last day. But why are we sad? It's because our hearts know on some deep level that we want something good and pleasurable and life-giving that never ends. We don't want to have to say goodbye. We don't want things to get boring and old. We want things to be engaging and life-giving and beautiful and meaningful and that to never end and for us to always participate. We want this life, this mystery. Or how about the flip side of knowing your desires? What makes you sad? annoyed or angry? Why is it that none of us like being lied to? No one's like, I can't wait for everyone in my life to lie to me today. Why do we hate being ignored? Why do we never want to see loved ones die? Like, no one taught you this. This is just in us. 
What is this? What's going on here? And for Monsignor Albacete, Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis, they've all been saying the same thing, that those are deeply human places. They all have different words for them. But nonetheless, Jesus is asking us, what are you looking for? Because he wants that part of us alive and engaged. See, our hearts are pointing, they're seeking to a kind of life that's a mystery. We know it can't end, so there's an infinite quality to it, of course. But there's a mystery, a kind of life we're looking for that's really hard to name. And let me say, it's okay that it's really hard to describe. Because St. Augustine was talking about this one time, and he said, it's a known unknown. And what we mean is like, out with the night with your friends, it's coming to an end. You're like, oh, gosh, I just, and we're like, you're like, I'm just looking for something. You're like, is it Chipotle? You're like, no, it's not Chipotle. <laughs> so we know something about it. We know, like, well, no, it's not that. But I don't know what it is exactly. This mystery, this kind of life that we're seeking, that our hearts in some way know that we're made for, that's what the church means when we say Jesus. He's the human face of that mystery. In fact, Pope Benedict XVI says it this way, that the Bible tries to name that reality. And so the Bible gives it the term eternal life. And then Benedict goes on to say, however, immediately we think of endless days when we think of eternal life. And he goes, this is a direct quote, I do not mean endless succession of days, but the supreme moment of satisfaction. We're back to fulfillment. We're back to desire. We're back to Jesus being really good news. So if Jesus and our deepest human desires are not at odds with each other, then it means Jesus is more than broccoli. He's the very thing that will make sense out of your life, give you hope, meaning, power, joy, fulfillment. And we suffer so much from shame that we're not enough, we'll never be enough, that when we hear about Jesus as the broccoli, the right answer, it's just another standard we can't live up to, and then we just guilt and force ourselves into trying to be good little Christians. Meanwhile, our, we're starving to death. Quick side note, it's pretty meaningful that he decided to remain with us in food for the hungry in the Eucharist. So if Jesus is the human face of this mystery, he's this kind of horizon. We were meant for something out there, and then that thing all of a sudden showed up as a person known as Jesus. Well, that's a pretty big deal. And now listen to what he says in John chapter 14. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Let him say it to those things you love and those things that have hurt you and disappointed you. I'm the way that you'll find fulfillment. I'm the truth of the life you're seeking, and I am the life to the full that you want. This is why the most immoral, atheistic, staunch person who hates the church in your life and thinks you're nuts for spending lunch on a Thursday, you know, talking about Jesus stuff. They're made of the same stuff you are. Just the noise or the name Jesus was never connected to the reality of Jesus. It was broccoli in their life. And they said, I don't feel like living with guilt and shame. You keep your Jesus. I'm going to live my life. 
The bishop uh, in Cleveland, I don't know how long it's been going on, but every year they buy all the priests a book for Christmas. And presumably, all my brother priests and I, we read it, all right? And uh, I read this year's, and it was on the Eucharist, because we're in the year of the Eucharist and all these things. And in there, Pope Benedict says this. He goes, everyone is on the same journey, all 8 billion people. He goes, it's a journey into the future. And no one wants that journey to end in oblivion or to end with guilt and regret. No one wants to be on their deathbed saying, I did it all wrong. No one wants to end their life and be totally alone and destitute. So what we're really looking for, Pope Benedict goes on to say, is we're looking for the path that leads to life, the life that we would be proud of, the life that would make us beam with joy and gratitude, the life that would make us come alive. And then he quotes John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus saying, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Not biological life, but the desire level life that makes us human. So here we are, and we hear a lot about in the church uh, evangelization, then there was new evangelization, and then there was be a disciple, and then there was be a missionary disciple, and if you wait a couple years, we'll have all new terms again, so you have to buy all new books, okay? <laughs> but Monsignor Albacete, Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict, Pope Francis, they've all been trying to say the same thing, that, like, you matter, your desires matter, and that unless the dialogue takes place between the infinite mystery that we're seeking, known as God, enfleshed in Jesus, and our hearts, the church can't be what she's meant to be, and therefore, how could we ever go out to anyone else and invite them? I mean, maybe if we're really, really honest, I'll go first, all right? I'm a priest, so I'll go first. There's times where I feel like what I'm inviting people to is like a really, like a, like a terrible experience. Like, don't you want to come to church? And they're like, no, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. I know what you're, I know. <laughs> like, I know what you're thinking. We have the right answers. But that's like broccoli's better for you than, I don't know, fatty roast beef. So yeah, we're the right answer, but you're looking for life. You're looking to come alive. I get it. When I was really studying these things the very first time, this is a rather dramatic ex uh, example, but nonetheless, it was on the news. And I like a flair for the dramatic anyway, so... There was a famous basketball player who had, was in the hospital close to death. He was married to a supermodel, but he was found high on cocaine and dead in a brothel, not dead, almost dead in a brothel in LA. I'm sorry, in Vegas. And when I was studying these things, I remember being like, that guy is looking for the infinite passionately. And I realized for the first time in my life, oh, this is how Jesus can have mercy on sinners. I didn't see him as, you're breaking a rule. You're being immoral. You're being old. He was. There's no doubt about it. There's morality and he, was, he wasn't following it. No doubt about it. But what I could see in him was like, dude, this guy's married to a supermodel. He has all the money in the world, everything that's supposed to make you happy. And he's doing drugs and hooking up with all sorts of people. Why? Because he's in touch with the desire that he wants fulfilled and nothing seems to be getting to it. I'm like, dude, this guy just wants the infinite so badly. Put it in churchy language. What you're really looking for is Jesus. Or, as the famous English apologist G.K. Chesterton said, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. It's not like he's like, oh, I thought this was a church. I'm sorry, madam. 
He means it on a deeper level. Like, they're hungering. They're seeking. They're longing. St. Augustine, and it's the church, the, every priest and bishop and nun, they pray this thing called the breviary, which is five set times a day where you're supposed to pray, usually based on psalms. But the first one is called Office of Readings. And in the last reading in there is always from some saint or church document. And there's one in there from St. Augustine. And he says this beautiful thing. I'm paraphrasing, but this is the gist. He goes, Give me the man in love. Give me the one who's panting for his homeland, knowing that he's not meant for this world and full of longing for something more and bigger. He knows what I mean. But you give me someone who does not have that longing, they just won't know what I mean. That's fourth century we've been talking like this. But we lost it somewhere. We lost it. You know, so when God comes to us, he's asking us all sorts of questions, which means he's giving us a space to share our desires. The prophet Isaiah, God says, what more could I have done for you? What do you need? What do you desire? Uh, to another person in the Old Testament, where did you come from? Where are you going? Like, tell me your story. We did the Jesus, what are you looking for? But how about other times? He asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? To the man who's paralyzed at the pool of Siloam, he says, what are you looking for? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. And there's been an ancient heresy in the church. That's a fun word to say. Ancient heresy in the church has a lot of drama to it. It just means false teaching and really destructive. Um, called dualism. And dualism pretty much is what we would call nowadays, you know, compartmentalized lives. I have my real life and then I have my Jesus life. And you'll hear this all the time at the end of a retreat. People had a wonderful encounter with Jesus. This is what they say. Back to real life. <laughs> and it's maddening to priests. <laughs> but it lets you know, they're like, well, what I just did has nothing to do with this because I've relegated Jesus to broccoli or to a hobby or to something fun to do. Rather than when you get in touch with your desire, life becomes automatically integrated. Because there's only one of you. There's only one life, one Lord, one world, one hope, one faith, one baptism, St. Paul says. Monsignor Albacete commenting on Cardinal O'Malley. They were best friends, and which is kind of funny. Cardinal O'Malley is from the Diocese of Cleveland, by the way. He's now in Boston, but he's from the Diocese of Cleveland. Uh, he tells this story that he goes, I, we really shouldn't have been friends. I'm very tempered and quiet and shy, and he's a wreck. <laughs> but they were best friends. They, they really were. And... Um, Monsignor Albacete commenting on him said, I was following him one day, just having a whole day with him. And he was meeting with senators in D.C. And then he got interrupted and had to meet with this uh, woman with her three kids who, were, uh, who had come to America and they were living on the streets. He goes, and then he went and did Mass. Him and I did Mass. He goes, he never changed. He was the same guy with the senator as with the poor woman as with saying Mass. Nothing changed about him. He says, because that's a man who knows his heart was made for God. And so every experience he's in, he's just in the same place. 
Whatever is good and beautiful in this experience, I'm with God. He knew his heart, his identity came from the Lord. So we can hear St. Paul's words now, maybe in a new way. So St. Paul knows what everyone's looking for. Right? What we really want is an infinite love and an infinite life, full of beauty and goodness. And he writes this in Romans. For I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor height, nor depth can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In essence, he's saying, I found the life and love you're looking for. Nothing can take it away. He loves you that much. He's that real. And it's actually what you are looking for. Whether it's in destructive ways of internet searches or buying more things or bottles of booze. And so it's done in destructive ways. Your heart's looking for something. Or if it's done still in beautiful ways, my friends and cups of coffee and vacations. It's a heart that made, that's meant for fulfillment. There are desires that need to be honored. And in the church, what we do is we say Jesus is the answer, but we never help people ask the question so that Jesus can actually be good news. If you're absolutely full on Kit Kat bars and Snickers and then someone takes you to, you know, what's around here, Red Steakhouse downtown for beautiful filet and you're already full on crappy candy bars, that's not good news that you're going to Red that night. It's miserable. You're like, oh, great. When we're numbed out or no one's helped us realize, have you actually found what you're looking for? You know, did the drugs, did the internet, did the cars, did the clothes, did the home, did the experience, did the fame, did the promotion, did the retirement, did it actually fulfill you? Or did it fade like everything else did? And you don't want to admit it because it's scary. But it's only scary if there's not a reality that corresponds to our deepest desires. And so I end today, and we're going to open up for questions, with maybe the most famous quote by St. Augustine. All right? And this quote is probably quoted more than anything else. And it's a prayer. And he simply says, You have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.